circa 1990. It's your boy Yvonne. And I'm LaDante. We are the founders and managing partners of New Age Capital, an early stage venture capital firm investing in dope tech startups founded and led by black and Latino entrepreneurs. We've known each other for mm, 10 years now. And over the last decade, we've made it through college. We turned up, we traveled, survived corporate America, and started a couple companies together, ultimately leading us to where we are today. New Age Capital is the culmination of our passion for entrepreneurship, coupled with our deep frustration with the lack of venture capital invested in Black and Latino communities. Also, there was really no venture brand out there that connected with us on a cultural and interpersonal level, so we decided to create something dope that was authentic to our lifestyles. Little did we know, raising a fund is hard as No, but seriously though, raising a fund? It's hard as f But we still out here though. So on our journey to build a new age capital, we decided to highlight some of the amazing entrepreneurs we met along the way. This is Chopping It Up. Today, we're talking to Joe Leva. Joe is the co-founder and CEO of ProTracker, a B2B software platform that allows general contractors to conduct their payroll timely and accurately while remaining compliant on their infrastructure construction projects. The construction industry is ripe for digitization as various startups are looking to tackle everything from expense tracking to payroll, equipment rental, and even employee safety. Nevertheless, most of these processes are still managed by legacy software or good old fashioned pen and paper. Now, let's dive into the construction tech landscape. From 2013 to 2018, the construction tech industry has seen around $2 billion invested over several deals, with a few notable exits within the last year. A good sign for a niche but emerging industry. In 2018 alone, VCs had invested roughly $1.2 billion into the sector, with companies like Katera bringing in about $1 billion in VC funding. We're also starting to see VCs develop focused strategies on the industry, specifically firms like Brick and Mortar Ventures and Navitas Capital. It has been reported that construction is one of the least digitized industries, which makes the industry ripe for disruption. Now, let's talk to Joe to see how he's making a mark on the construction industry. So we got uh, our buddy Joe Leva of uh, ProTrack in the building. Take two. Take two. Let's try it Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, How you doing, brother? All good. Thanks for joining us again. Um, <laughs> of course. I uh, appreciate you uh, connecting with us again. So, uh, you know, we're going to get into the whole story of what you're building with ProTracker, um, you know, your journey thus far. But uh, to get started, you know, once again, you gave us an illustrious background of yourself before. Uh, tell the world who Joe Leva is. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, I'm Joe Leva, co-founder and CEO of ProTracker. And, uh, you know, born and raised in the, in the D.C. area. So welcome to my city. Welcome to my town. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in the uh, construction industry. Uh, family, um, you know, came to this country, you know, started off, uh, you know, working in the you know, heavy highway industry, uh, building roads, bridges, utilities. Grew up as a civil engineer, helped my parents scale their company um, and kind of led me to, you know, building this this company I saw a lot of uh, potential in terms of like problems a lot of uh, in you know inefficiencies in the industry and you know that's kind of where it led me today 
So talk about where specifically, you know, your parents immigrated from um, and kind of what you, what are those early things they instilled in you that you feel as though kind of have helped you up until today? <clears throat> well, first of all, just having my dad come to this country from El Salvador, a uh, young age, didn't speak any English, really. All he knew how to say was Big Mac. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like back in the 70s when he was telling me back then there were like 65 cents, uh, you know, a sandwich, uh, I mean, a burger. Um, but you know, he came here. I saw him, you know, build a company from from the ground up when I was a when I was a child. So it was already instilled in me from the very beginning, you know, entrepreneurial, um, you know, foundation. And on my mom's side, she's from you know Puerto Rico. Her, uh, you know, like her parents were entrepreneurs. They were they you know they they dealt with land development. They opened up you know had their own hair salon, jewelry shops. So they tried any, anything they could. So from both sides, it was kind of instilled in me to always try to find a way to build something on your own, especially coming to this country. Um, did they have you working when you were like a really, really young kid or did they get you started early or was that something that you kind of got when you were in like a teenager and you started actually working in the offices? Uh, and the offices are older. At home they maybe work at, you know, doing chores. So like cutting the grass, <laughs> painting pain here and painting there, uh, putting stuff together, assembling furniture. But okay. when I was older, I got, you know, more of a taste of what the construction industry was all about because it's, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So and speak about that a little bit. Like, you know, I... It seems as though um, just from the subcontractors and, and the actual day laborers all the way through, uh, it seems like one of those entry points a lot of times for immigrants into this country um, you know, to work on. So kind of what was that experience seeing that and seeing them try to navigate you know, this whole new world, your father being included and, and trying to figure out how to, how to basically excel from a job that had them out in the heat, you know, really kind of using their bodies and hands um, to pushing that to the limit to a degree. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you, you gain a great deal of respect. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to work, uh, watch, you know, someone like my uncle, um, who's like a general foreman, you know, like I said, out in the heat and blistering mm -hmm. heat, like it was, it's like a hundred degrees outside yesterday, um, freezing cold, you know, using their bare hands and machinery just to build our nation's infrastructure. And they don't even come, you know, they'll come from outside the country, but they're building our infrastructure. So you, 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 you gain a great deal of respect and insight um, that's unique as a subcontractor, as a minority contractor. Um, you see the limited resources that they have and how yet they're able to make things happen, you know, how they're able to gain contracts, how they're able to get certification. Even though it's a tough process and language barrier is easy, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, you just, you know, you just gain a great deal of respect. You know, they, they don't have the, the, the resources, the, the education, and they come here and they build something from nothing. So, um, you know, great deal of respect, for, you know, on the, for, you know, that, uh, that industry, so. Did your parents have a plan for you um, coming to the country? You know, you're, you're, they, both of them are entrepreneurs. Did they kind of instill in you, like, you're going to be, you know, either take on the family business or start your own business, or were they like, go to school, now you come to the country, go to school, get the job, get the, you know, go to a great school, get a good job and kind of live that life? Or were they like, no, you're going to be working with <laughs> No, it was more like, uh, you know, we want you to be a civil engineer so you can come, you know, get your PE license, be a certified engineer, come help the family business and help it grow. Because, you know, you're, we started a foundation here, it's growing. So it's, you know, they kind of instilled that in me. <clears throat> but um, at the same time, they, you know, it, they were, it was bittersweet for them when I told them, like, I'm, I'm going to go venture on my own. You know, they, they had the idea that I'm going to, you know, pass along this, this, uh, this company along to me. I'm going to make it grow. They had this grand vision. And for me to drop out and say, I'm going to go start a tech, I'm going to do a tech startup. Yeah. Like, what? What, are you, what are you talking about? Like, you have a, 
here. It's, it's set up for, we did all the hard work, yeah, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, we got the, you know, lines of credit, you know, this and that, equipment, people, it's all set up for you. But it's just, I, you know, at the same time, they understood that that had a burning sensation inside me to take advantage of opportunity that you only, you know, that only comes around once in a while. So you got, you know, you're, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. Mm -hmm. So they understood that. And I think at the end, they ended up respecting me a lot more um, along the way. So talk about, you know, as you, that precursor to, to ProTracker, you know, what problems were you starting to identify that were basically eating away at you that you felt, no, there's like a better solution to this? <clears throat> so what's happening, uh, even back then, that I experienced and even now, was uh, at first we started off, you know, the company was to build a, a software solution for subcontractors and, you know, smaller companies that didn't have the resources to purchase you know, clunky, cumbersome, you know, legacy software. Right. You know, you're talking tens of thousands, hundred thousand of dollars for a company that's making, that's probably doing maybe one to five million dollars a year in, in uh, contracts. So that was my first step, is to make a, build a lightweight, easy to use version that could be easily adaptable to people that, you know, um, you know, don't, can't read a, you know, uh, an English manual, let's say, you know, per se. It's something that they could be able to pick up and pick up on their own. And then it kind of evolved now over the years, um, well, not over the years, but even recently, even this year, into something where it's, you know, even beyond that, where we're, you know, putting power in the hands of the subcontractors with limited resources. They can't hire more personnel for to administrative work. Like, we'll just build something that can do that work for them. So that's, you know, that's kind of how the, the whole genesis of it happened and now how it's kind of evolved into what it is now. And can you actually talk about... Um those various positions a little bit like what's a general contractor what's a subcontractor um how do those contracts work uh and in you know what are this fragmented segments of it uh, that allow you to build this kind of uh solution that um can be helpful right so you think of construction into two different segments you've got uh the vertical segment and horizontal vertical being like your private residential condominium hotels apartment buildings that you see all around you and you got the heavy civil horizontal site which is more government based so your utilities your bridges your uh your your roads your highways stuff that you know maintains uh you know society um and that one because it's more government based has different contracts different uh you know federal uh rules like for example you know uh, it's something of it uh on every government contract let's say you're building a billion dollar tunnel in second avenue uh in in uh, manhattan um, you know, billion dollars, it's usually awarded to a, a general contractor who we call the GC, big corporation, billions of dollars of revenue. Then it trickles down, they have to manage all the moving pieces. Who's going to do the paving, the asphalt, who's going to lay the, the masonry work, the, the sanitary sewer, the fiber optic cables, and each of these segments is, is handed to a specialized subcontractor. So you got subcontracts, you know, with each one, and even goes beyond that where you now uh, it's federally mandated almost across every municipality, every state. You have to allocate a certain percentage of the workforce to, let's say, uh, you know, minorities or people from a certain jurisdictions, people from a certain socioeconomic or demographic background. 20% um, have to be minority, 5% military, 5% you know, female-owned businesses. So how do you track that information if it's all done through manual processes and then you're requiring these companies that have you know, very limited resources, they don't have administrative personnel to handle that kind of work. So we kind of find a way to do it for them, you know, make it as seamless as possible so everyone is happy to get paid on time and they remain compliant. So 
lots of moving pieces, as you can imagine, hundreds of subs on a, on, a, on a project like that over the course of like four or five years. So you can imagine the amount of data that's being collected. When, when did the idea of, of Protractor first come? Was that in school? It came about like uh, when I was managing three different contracts at once, one in DC, one in Virginia, one in Maryland. Three different types of contracts, highway, one was a bridge, another one was another highway job. And having to manage the information that I just told you about, manage different subs, manage different workforce personnel, turn it in a timely manner, and report to the GC on time. Because if I don't do that, um, they don't remain compliant, we're not compliant, we don't get paid on time, there's a delay in pay. If there's a delay in pay, as a small subcontractor, it hurts us because we have to meet payroll, we have to pay rental equipment, you know, we have to pay our suppliers. Um, so it just creates a whole, you know, it's just a, a bottleneck of cash flow, which is very important for every business. So. Um, it kind of started a few years ago and I was managing, I, I didn't have, I, I, I couldn't call my dad and convince him, hey, can we purchase a, you know, a $30,000 a year software? I could use, use $30,000 to go buy a pickup truck or a dump truck to help me, you know, increase production. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very hard sell to do something in software. So I was like, let me just build something for myself that I would use. Put in the tools of each of the foremen. Have them, you know, I can remotely manage them, you know, hand them, you know, they can put in data and I can retrieve it and then I have to recreate, you know, spreadsheets or different templates or forms every time and report it upwards. So I figured, you know, if each, each sub could do this and link it all in the same contract together, I mean, it'd be a much better world, you know. And currently, as, a right, well, as you say right now, everything's manual. So people are just ha handling all these processes with pen and paper. They're doing, so it's, it's funny, each, each GC has their own solution. Even though it's all federally mandated data, it's the same data that's being captured, they've each come up with their own solution, whether it's a handwritten manual form, uh, whether it's a, a Word or Excel or a digital PDF yeah. uh, template. And some of them have even gone to the extent where they built their own or they leveraged uh, old web uh, archaic systems, mm -hmm. you know, where they have a portal, you create, you register, <laughs> and they have like a 50-page manual on literally a printout on how to do it, how to put in your Jeez. password. How to, I'm like, this, this can't be real. It's like six, seven steps you have to do on a daily, <laughs> weekly, biweekly basis, you know? And the, the subs are only, the only one putting the information of what they built. Because if I installed a thousand lineal feet of pipe, I want to get paid for that at the end of the month. Right. That's what I did. I don't care about your EEO employee labor compliance stuff. That doesn't matter. I got my own stuff to deal with. Like, can't you guys handle that on yeah, your own? Right, That's your right. problem. Compliance isn't my problem. You know, I need to make sure things are being built. So. That's part of the issue at hand. You know, you had what they call founder market fit, right? You knew the problem firsthand, you had the experience, um, and, and you kind of had the, the customer feedback to know how to start building it. But you're not a technical founder, right? So how'd you go about um, just building that first product uh, to create something, and, and what was your thought process around even designing it or, or you know, creating it? Right. Um no, it was very challenging. I mean, you always, the first step in, you know, any, as a founder, especially if you're non-tech, non is like, how am I going to get this thing built, you know? Do I leverage a friend? Do I have to go find resources and hire people to get paid or some dev shop? I don't know. So luckily, um, very fortunate and very blessed to have had you know, one of my best friends, who's my co-founder, CTO, Iman. Um, you know, we were ex-college uh, roommates, you mm -hmm. know, and he's a computer science major. He was a VP of engineering at News Corp. Um, you know, he's a web architect, former VP over uh, at uh, JP Morgan. So I couldn't think of a better person um, to, to have alongside me to help, you know, build the web architecture, build an enterprise application. 
Um, so it's, you know, in the beginning it was like, hey, how do I, how do I build this? How do I leverage this? What, what code? Is it Python? Is it going to be Ruby? Is it going to, do we build a native app? And it's just, he helped me develop a mindset in which you, you know, you build stuff to, uh, you know, as lean as possible doing sprints, but also eliminating tech debt or tech debt around right. the way. Right. So build it, you know, let's build a true MVP. Yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate to start off with having a friend, um, you know, well-versed in, in, in uh, coding and tech. So how long did it take from, you know, the idea to bringing your, your co-founder on board to actually getting like that first initial product out? Man, I would say it took about from start to finish a year. Uh, yeah, just about a year because like when you, you want to get this thing built out, but you have to like go back and do the wireframes, put it in front of clients. Like, would you use this? Would you use that? Do you prefer this kind of layout? Do you prefer that? Like, would you guys actually use it? Um, and then get your first like, M, you know, your first uh, beta or alpha version, right. run it out there. It's going to have, it's going to be buggy. Like they're going to put in like, hey, Joe, I was putting in my information. I was hitting enter, enter and, no, and nothing was happening. Like yeah. it just went in an endless loop and you, you begin to panic, you know, because these are like, yeah. you know, clients are going to help you out. Maybe they'll invest. Maybe they'll, they'll be uh, paying clients in the future. So it, it took about a year from like concept meeting drawing on the board to actually being able to provide something to them that's tangible that they can, you know, about a year. How much does that cost? Did you all kind of put in some pre-existing, like a, we know it's going to cost as much given your co-founder kind of comes from that world? Um, he kind of gave me an idea of what what you should expect if you were to do a dev shop or what kind of people you're going to hire. And obviously they don't have this kind of resources off the bat. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I quit working. Uh, um, I moved to my parents' basement. Um, you know, sold my car, rented out my, my the apartment I had, um, and it's all bootstrapped. So all, all bootstrapped from the very beginning. So a lot of sacrifice. In the beginning, he was just like, you know, you're going to convince me to quit my, you know, VP of engineering, web architect job at J.P. Morgan in Manhattan, like to, to go build up a, <laughs> this idea to help you and run, manage small contractors. Like, are you crazy? And then, so it was more of like a nights and weekends thing, and it kind of developed into okay. like, okay, hey, buddy, I think I. Got a client who's really interested. He's really, and then when they start making the first payment, he's like, "Well, okay." And then it happened again, and it happened again, and it's like, "Okay, now, well, you know." Um, so, so you know, you are building a, a project for a, a product for businesses and, mm -hmm. and the enterprise. Um, so, talk about the customer side of it and like your go-to-market strategy. Um, you know, generally. You know, you either need to have a sales team really early, raise capital to build out that sales team to do outbound, um, you know, or you can nowadays you can do some inbound things, whether it's content marketing or even some digital marketing. But this specific type of product uh, has no viral component, right? Like you need to get to the enterprise. So talk a little bit about, you know, getting that first customer, what your mindset was and getting to that first customer and then kind of trying to build your pipeline of potential customers. from mm. there. Well, luckily, you know. You know, being it, growing up in the industry, I already had a network to mm -hmm. begin with, so that made it very easy to reach out and say, "Hey, I built this product. Like, let's you know, the, the, all my first customers were all in the DC area. They were all subcontractors. They were all uh, along the same type of work, or had I had worked alongside them in the beginning. So that was my first you know uh, entry point. Then in, in trying to figure out how to expand, that's when you know we brought along some interns. We like brought on the, uh, people to help us do uh, outbound sales. I mean, we did the whole classic cold call. We did, you know, email cadence, oh, okay. marketing. We leveraged, uh, we, we tried HubSpot. We tried Streak, CRM. We tried all kinds of stuff, doing web demos via GoToMeeting and Uber Conference. And you're just trying so many different things. 
uh, and you know that was our initial market strategy. Well, I thought I was selling to the smaller subcontractors directly, a lightweight version of legacy software. Um, and then recently, in the last few months, um, you know, we kind of shifted a little bit. I wouldn't call it a pivot, but we took the existing technology and we said, why don't we leverage what we have and provide this tool to every sub, and then link them all on the project and feed that data upwards to a GC. Mm -hmm. And the, the good, so now the go-to micro strategy is totally different. That's no more outbound sales to the tens of hundreds of thousands of subs nationwide. It's like the handful of you know multi-billion-dollar players that have created you know this uh, glue and stick method of capturing this data. It's like, I already built a tool built for the subs. Just tell me what kind of data outputs you need and I'll just hand it to them that way. So the go-to-market strategy now is to leverage uh, my connections with the executives of those large companies who I've been fortunate to have worked alongside with over in the past decade. So that's kind of initial and then eventually you know, when we raise, I'm going to bring along someone with expertise in selling it to enterprise and it's kind of so you can see we start off from the bottom up, small to big, but now it's kind of going to be from the top down. When did it hit you with those discussions with the subcontractors that, you know what, we actually needed to kind of shift towards just the GCs? Was it like lack of capital? Was it the feedback you were getting from the subcontractors? How did you all realize, let's shift our strategy to focusing on the pipeline for GCs as opposed to the subcontractors? I mean, that's a important decision to make right when you're on your road uh, on the road to building something it's like to stop and say you know what we're going to shift the business model entirely and the aha moment happened when um, two of the subs uh, of our clients were operating on the purple line which is a brand new metro line here in the dc area 22 stations 5.6 billion dollars over the course of the next five years and the subs were digitally collecting the data both for the their contract information and their workforce. And they were feeding it upstream to the, one of the managers. And the managers was like, what the heck is this? Like, I wish every single one of my subs on this project across every station was feeding upstream all this data, mm. collecting it for me so I can organize it, filter it how I need to, so I can report it up to management. And so the sub put me in touch. It was like, hey, you, Joe, you wanna talk to this guy? This guy is like really into what you're doing right now. Cause you're really just eliminating the whole manual process and you're providing uh, you know, valuable labor compliance uh, information and contract information in real time. So you've eliminated that bottleneck. Um, and so I met with them, he said, dude, what you have is brilliant. Like, let me put you in touch with the executives who I kind of knew personally, good friend of my dad. Uh, one thing led to another, I met with their executives and they kind of told me um, what are some of the other layers that they really need to capture to right. really you know, um, have a solution in place. So I validated with them, I went to another, large contractor and another and another and they all had the same problem they all had their different ways of approaching it like i mentioned before but um it kind of gave me an idea it's like let me just give them a you know a, a system that collects all the data and they can filter kind of and sort kind of outputs they want their own, their so own so model. does it work where so does the software work now where the gc kind of disperses what he needs to the subcontractors or do the subcontractors still have access to the software how to basically walk us through how how, the how it would work yeah how so works. you know with the gc they would you know if they start off from scratch right it would just they would go in simply create a project uh send out all the email invites to all the subs the subs on their end uh they normally do this right now so all they have to do is take their whatever spreadsheet they had to build to get paid they upload it into our system and that's our contract 
Um, you know, they each have a, a code which links it up to the, the GC. So they put in the information for their workforce, their, their payroll, their reporting information on a daily basis. And all the GC has to do on their end is basically it makes a call to the system, all the subcontractors that are part of this contract, uh, and then you know, pick a date range and it'll collect all the information that they need. Uh, so it'll provide them all their workforce compliance, their percentages on all the line items, their reporting. It's just, you know, they just collect it. You're, they're basically providing a, uh, you know, a portal for the, all of them to handle those six or seven items that they need to handle on a daily, bi-weekly, monthly basis. This seems like, you know, a really interesting problem you're solving. There's big projects. It sounds like big money. Um, but explain us like how this actually works from a revenue model standpoint and how this can actually be, you know, a really big, potentially multi-hundred million dollar, you know, multi-billion dollar business. Yeah. So there's over 51,000 organizations, uh, firms uh, across the U.S. that are focused specifically in this heavy highway civil industry. Uh, there's a lot more. I mean, it gets to close to 75,000 uh, or more when you include trucking and hauling, which do a bit of both hybrid. You know, they do specialty trade contractors, which do private and public. Um, so you got a number in that range. Um, based on my experience, each establishment, you know, the, uh, if you go online, the average size is 35 employees. That tells me you're going to have about, you know, X number of crew members, X number of managers, people in the office. You're looking at five to seven users of this platform uh, per organization. If you you know charge at a target market rate uh, or a target market price point, which is you know on a monthly rate of 100 to 200 bucks a month per user, uh, you're exceeding already 1.1 billion dollars in annual revenue just by doing number of establishments per number of users per per year across all the contracts. So that's just the initial target market. And so you all have one. You have this contract in D.C. now. Do you all stick to the D.C. area or do you roll out nationwide? Do you have contracts that you have coming in nationwide? All right. So the first uh, contract that we're going to sign up right now for the pilot program is based in Maryland. So the largest contract, public works contractor in the state of Maryland. And the way you do this is, uh, let's say I've got four or five executives waiting for me to launch this thing, right? You do one pilot on one contract. Um, and the beauty about these, these companies are so big. They've got, you know, some of them are regional players, national players. So they got a billion dollar bridge project in Minnesota. They got a hundred million dollar project in Orlando. They got, so once you're successful with one and you eliminate the biggest pain points, which is what I was told, you know, telling you about, what does that actually mean in terms of dollars? Well, these guys experience heavy liquidated damages, penalties, fines, and at the worst case, even federal highway debarment, which means that they can't even perform or bid on work for one, two, three years for failure of non-compliance. Wow. You know, it's, it's a huge deal. So, um, you know, the go-to market strategy is to do one successful pilot internally with that company and once, hey, uh, this system solved all our problems on this contract A, we've got 10 more contracts nationwide, oh, no, no, no. make it a, you know, we're going to institute this, uh, you know, organization-wide uh, solution. So you do that with each one. Um, and talk a little bit too about you know uh, the compliance side of it and making sure that certain subcontractors, whether they be minority or women or military, are getting uh, access to some of these opportunities. Speak about that, you know, being part of your mission as well a little bit and and um, trying to spread that opportunity out. Right. So by doing this, I eliminate you know the the problem of them having you know limited resources. They can't leverage the software. There's no software that kind of captures information and feeds it up to a GC. 
So we're providing them a tool that not only captures information for them internally, they can see where they are financially to date on the, on the contract. They know how much they're going to get paid uh, week to week, month to month, just by you know, logging, into, logging onto our system. What we're actually also able to track, which is you, know, you start getting into the, the whole blockchain thing, where it's like we're not creating a, a network where we can actually provide a directory or marketplace of every single subcontractor what their certifications are, what their distribution of workforce and employee and compliance they can provide, even prior to a bid. So going into a bid, you can actually have a game plan as a GC, who I'm going to target to do specific work. Like I, I want to know, you know, what contractor in Virginia is really good at, who can do paving, what contracts have they worked on before, what sizes their workforce, and if I uh, implement them on my upcoming project, what percentages of participation goals and my, you know, and contractor sub, you know, whatever. Uh, the deal is, can they fulfill for me? So I'm not having to figure it out on the fly. Right. So you create kind of like a, a director, which doesn't exist. Right now what exists, you can go to you know, any DOT website and you can download a list of hundreds of or thousands of subcontractors that are certified. Doesn't tell you if they're qualified. Doesn't tell you if they're eligible to do the work. Like right now, the three of us can quit right now and start our own paving company. Right. You know, call the ABC Joe, whatever <laughs> <laughs> paving, and hey, we got our certification. Pay whatever the, the the certification yearly fee is. Have we ever done it before? Can you do paving? Can you ask? I, I can't do that stuff. But we're listed, so they're gonna contact us thinking that we're eligible and qualified. It's time consuming. Yeah. Exactly. It's too risky. And just to check a box so that they can remain compliant, that doesn't make sense. You need to have a way to capture, can this person, you know, provide an all-in-one solution. Not only in the moment, but even capturing data down the road. So providing that kind of directory that doesn't exist. Right. So, which then so that would turn. help them out because now exactly. it's like when there's real mom and pop shops and know how to do the real work. They've right. done it for years. They have the, they're ready to do it. They just don't have the resources to go out and find every, every outreach event, you know. Um, they'll be contacted this right, way. They can, GC, right, they like can. Like a GC from who does a lot of work in Texas, is like, hey, we landed our first billion dollar contract in, in, in Northern Virginia. Um, who the heck do we call to do like the piping or the pouring of the concrete or to handle this? They can pull from the, our marketplace, you know, from our, our directory, who can, do, who can do it and what, what, uh, what voids can they fill in terms of participation goals so they remain compliant. So it's kind of a kill two birds with one stone solution. How did the how does the information get captured? Is it something that you all disperse out to the subcontractors, or do you have the GCs who have their subcontractor kind of network and put that information? So, believe it or not, it's even though it's the same information captured over and over again. Um, what's crazy is that uh, let's say we're in DC and GC, the the GC who we're operating on a contract right now has their own templates and forms they want us to fill out. Can you believe that if we were to land another contract with them and they bring us on board as a sub on the same jurisdiction, they're going to pretty much have us fill out those same, they're going to copy and paste those forms Again. and have them refill them out. <laughs> nah, that's wild. And, and, and then we're like, hey, can, why can't you just take, I mean, we're literally doing two contracts in parallel. Like, can't you just take from one and copy it over the other? I'm sorry, Joe, it's just not the way things work. <laughs> like, like, Larry's handling it on Project A and Sandra's handling it from Project B. Larry and Sandra don't. There's just no, there's no, even though you're in the same organization, uh, a lot, because a lot of times what happens is like the, the contracts are so big that uh, two big GCs have to merge and create one joint venture and bid in it together. And each of them has their own internal right, team, software and teams right, yeah. to handle it in their own way. And it's like, like, dude, like just, yeah. You know. So what we do is we provide them a free lightweight solution where they upload their employee information just once internally because they have to do it once anyways. Wow. 
So we're trying to universal, you know, make a universal de facto system is what we're trying to do. Where they import their system, where they benefit themselves. They can import all the labor, all the, and it doesn't matter, they can take that same system and apply it to every government contract job. So it's no longer like, okay, here's the 10 different forms you got to fill out. It's like, just use ProTracker. It already has your, system, your information built in. You don't have to recopy it or re, you know, uh, re-input the system. It already, it's already there. We're just going to make a call on our end um, and retrieve whatever data you need pertaining to our specific contract. Right. Um, so it looks like you're well on your way to building you know, a pretty formidable company in, in a niche market that you know really well, um, have some great opportunities coming up. So yeah, capital, you know, venture capital dollars must be flowing to you. You know, talk about, <laughs> talk about your experience. Uh. <laughs> Uh, talk about your experience raising money um, you know how that process has been and you know maybe some highlights and frustrations and how that's affected the way you've built your you know continue to build your company well just like Ladante just demonstrated <laughs> it's easy man it's easy to right? I, mean, I don't know why why am I even here you know um, nah, it's tough man it's like the hardest thing in the world is to, to, to raise capital I mean uh, you know, you've got this idea, you've got momentum, you've got revenue, you've got a, a system in place, and you think that should be enough, right? But it's just like, you know, it's just, you know, it's very difficult to, and you learn after every pitch to an investor, they tell you they want to see this, they want to, they'll tell you in the first time around, oh, Joe, you're building a great product, come back to me when you're making $100,000 a year, ARR. Hey, I'm back, Five, six months later, I'm making over a hundred. Yeah, well, we just had a board meeting with our LPs, and they want to see something in the neighborhood of half a million at least. That's just, uh, you know, our new thing. Okay, you know, it's like, all right, well, we want to see you integrate with large enterprises. Hey, I just landed my first large enterprise. We want to see two. It's like it's a, you know, so after a while, it's goalposts always keeps getting getting pulled back. So you know, and it gets discouraging. I mean, there's times where you just want to quit. You're like thinking, man, man, I'm checking all the boxes. Like I'm doing all the right stuff. You know, I'm landing deals, I'm hiring people, I'm keeping it bootstrapped, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, uh, there's a huge opportunity here. Why isn't it making sense? The market makes sense. I've got, you know, the expertise in the field. Um, it's a huge opportunity. Like, what's, what's going on here? Um, but the thing I learned is that, you know, as, do you keep, as they keep telling you no, 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 come back, you just, you know, you got, it, it's an L for now. You got to take that L, but um, you just have to keep, be smarter. Like, use your resources that you have, mm-hmm. you know, leverage your connections. Um, whether it's like a, you know, you know, out of your own pocket or if you got to reach out to your network or apply to every accelerator that, on the planet. If you have to move to like, you know, Dubai or Amsterdam or when I had to go to New York, like just do what you can, you know, to find those resources um, and build. I mean, uh, you know, one of the challenges that we had was everyone wanted us to, you know, get this enterprise version built. We had the subcontractor build already and I thought that was enough because we had clients and whatever. And every, all those VCs wanted us to go ahead and have this thing built. I'm like, well, I kind of need money and capital to get yeah, that right, built. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I got to validate. I did my part. I went, I went to the headquarters of X, Y, and Z companies, and they told me, Joe, this is what I, kind of what we need. So we did most of the work. We just needed to connect the pieces, and I need capital to accelerate that. Yeah. And it wasn't happening. At so some point, I was like, you know what? The check isn't coming right now. It'll come later. So let me, you know, use. So what we end up doing is using the money coming in from the existing business and using that to leverage and accelerate, you know, hire more devs to get this thing going faster. So that's what, to build know, it just makes you bootstrap even harder and just think harder. Outside of ProTracker, you know, what, what does Joe enjoy doing? Like how, you know, on your off day, you know, what, what are the things that excite you or do you try to spend time 
um, time doing. Yeah, well, first of all, socializing with family and friends. I mean, you got to, you know, have conversations with people because it gets stressful. There's right, times right. where you get so many no's. Uh, there's you know, so many times where I would, you know, talk to my, my family and be like, man, I just pitched like the 50 investors. Like, this, and no one's giving me any kind of like feedback. I just try to sell 10 different companies and I make a single sale. Like, you start to feel down for yourself. But that's when you got to, op- you know, open up and socialize with people, your friends and just, People will tell you like, look, it's it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, so that's the most important thing is uh, to have you know those, those kind of connections. System. Other than that, um, you know, going to the gym when you can, playing soccer, playing basketball, um, trying to you know take advantage of the weather now and go to the beach. Still trying to get better at soccer, man. Yeah, I trying, told man. you to give it up. I didn't. Make, I, didn't make, I didn't make the. I didn't, I didn't make the World Cup this this year. Oh, oh, we still got four years, right? <laughs> Let me know when you want that work. You got it. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, uh, thanks again for uh, for chatting with guys, us, man. Appreciate we appreciate it. you, you know, sharing the business with us. Yeah. Um, we know there's great things in the future. You know, we uh, we're here as a resource for you as well. So, um, yeah, man. Thanks for chopping it up. With Thank us. you guys for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. B2B software platform that allows general contractors to d- conduct their. The construction industry is ripe for. D- 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 digitization and dis- the construction industry it was good so if, it, if, it, if it didn't record this time thanks for kicking it with us this episode and if you want to learn more about new age capital check us out at newage.vc also subscribe to our youtube channel for more dope content